0: You're listening to Lies and Half-Truths, tales written and performed by A. P. Weber. In chapter three of The Moonshadow, Tamberline the Great Cat attempted to answer the riddle posed to her by some supernatural being and Woodrow prepared for his dive into the selvage area to talk to the giant cephalopod both the cat and the boy seem to be in a very precarious position how will they fare against forces so much more powerful than themselves and now lies and half truths presents the moon shadow first book of the adventures of Woodrow the Wicked. Part 1. Cephalopod Sign. Chapter 4. Woodrow cut the sandbags free from his ankles. With the weight of the helmet, he found he could stand on the ocean floor and walk almost normally. He tried a jump and soared through the water, landing in a cloud of sand. Wow, he said aloud and laughed despite himself. He could see the gun turrets of the firebrand standing above the seaweed and the jagged peaks of the other sunken vessels. He made his way toward them. A clearing surrounded the firebrand. Its hole gaped before him. Inside lay darkness. Then a flash of color, deep orange, curling within the ship's hole. Woodrow tried to scratch the back of his neck, but his hand found only metal rivets. He took a breath, then another. Can he see me? Should I start signing? All at once, like a blood drop unraveling in a pool of water, The monstrous creature emerged from his shell, eight arms splayed and waving. The sudden movement sent a current of water that threw Woodrow backward. He found himself toppling, spinning, until the hull of another wreck struck him hard against his back. He pronounced to the stars at the periphery of his vision. The next articulate thought he had went something like, This was a big mistake. Tamberline flinched at the gust of wind, only to find it warm and gentle. Just one goal remained. You have chosen wisely, great cat, came the voice, whispering on the wind, caressing her coat like a soft hand. So, I will explain the riddle I laid before you. I am... I rule the currents and the salty air in the South Sea. This, the first gull, was meant to convey. The second gull smelled of rot and decay, and the third smelled of spice and gold. This is because... I am the master of the sailor's fate. I bring destruction, calamity, and loss to the bottom of the sea. Or I bring success, wealth, and prosperity. Both fates are in my power and within my rights. The great cat bowed her head, a gesture uncommon to her species. Woodrow looked out the glass of his diving helmet at the lens of the nanomijo's eye. It was about three times the size of his own head. He told himself to breathe, then started to inch sidelong across the hull of the ship against his back. The nanomijo's eye followed him. When Woodrow felt open space, he stopped. He took a deep breath, crouched, and jumped. At the apex of his jump, he began the first sign. Greetings and peace. He landed in a cloud of sand. Did I say that right? When he looked up at the giant cephalopod, its eye seemed somehow larger. The creature coiled his tentacles momentarily, then burst out in a series of violent gesticulations, Woodrow tumbled backward at the force of the water displaced by the creature's movements. For one second, he was looking at the surface of the water, watching the selvage ship's hull sway and bob. He grabbed hold of a sea vine and held tight. When the surge of water ceased, he stood, brushed the sand from his shirt and trousers, and approached the giant again. He jumped and tried another series of signs. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. He then set his back against the stable hole of a sunken vessel and braced himself for the Nanamiho's response. The conversation lasted 45 minutes. It had been a great while since the Nanamiho had entertained anyone, even his own kind. The resulting pleasantries were long but once dispensed with left Woodrow feeling rather more confident in his signing skills. At that point, Woodrow asked the giant cephalopod about his shell, the Firebrand to which the beast replied that it had begun to itch about a decade and a half ago, and if it weren't for the fact that ship hulls were remarkably durable, he would be rid of it. Woodrow suggested that this might be due to rust and corrosion. Perhaps it was time to replace his shell. The cephalopod replied that all the ships in the yard were similarly decayed. Perhaps, said Woodrow, what he needed was a new ship. Like the one you came from, asked the beast. Yes, Woodrow told him. In fact, the owners of yon vessel would like to offer it to him in exchange for allowing them to salvage in the area. They had another vessel, weighing anchor in the deeper waters, outside the cove. The beast thought about this. Finally, he replied, that he would accept their offer. It would take him a moment to shed his shell, but he would like to take possession of the ship immediately. Woodrow replied that this would be most acceptable, They said their goodbyes and the Nanamiho re entered his shell and began the process of breaking free of it. Woodrow gave the airline three sharp tugs, the sign that he was ready to surface. He then took a deep breath, removed the helmet, and pushed off the ground at an angle toward the shore. His lungs were burning by the time he arrived at the surface of the water, but he made himself break it slowly. He took a deep breath, trying not to gasp, and turned to look at the salvage ship. He could see the figure of the old man reeling in the airline. When only the helmet came up, the old man stared at it for a number of seconds, then called for his wife. Woodrow wanted to laugh, but held it in and began making quiet strokes toward the shore. He didn't see the girl on the shore and hoped she had taken him seriously about getting off the ship. When he felt sand beneath his feet, he turned to look at the salvage vessel again. What he saw startled him. On the deck of the salvage ship, the old man stood watching him through a telescopic lens. Next to the old man stood the rotund old woman, and in front of her stood the girl. The old woman held something to the girl's neck a knife. The old man was gesturing at Woodrow to come back. Are they laughing? Woodrow wondered if they would actually hurt the girl. The old man held up a hand. Five fingers spread wide. He folded in his thumb. He's counting down, Woodrow realized. But the Nana Miho, might attack at any moment. He was paralyzed by indecision. The old man folded in his pinky finger, then his ring finger, then his middle finger. He held one finger in the air. He made a fist. At that same moment, the water around the ship began to look as though it were boiling. A tentacle emerged. Then another. A third and a fourth. They wrapped around the salvage vessel. The ship rocked side to side, and the old couple stumbled back and forth. Gravelthroat let go of the girl, who fell forward with the added force of the rocking vessel and crashed headlong into the ship's railing. Her body crumpled upon the deck. No, Woodrow said aloud. I'm so stupid. Why did I do this? A second later, he knew what he had to do. He dove back into the water and began pumping toward the ship and the giant tentacled monster attacking it. The gull cocked his head as though listening. Something else requires my attention, said the voice on the wind. I must leave you now, great cat, but I leave as a friend. The seagull lifted off the ground, flew in three rapid circles, and then burst into a shower of feathers. Wind bent the tips of the trees and carried the feathers off toward the island's coast. Tamberline watched the feathers disappear in wonder. The friendship of a god was a dubious honor, to say the least, and there was no way of knowing when or how such a thing might affect the adventure of one's own life. Then she remembered her hunger. It wouldn't be right to eat the fish she had offered to the god. So she went back to the pool and caught another for herself. Thanks for listening to Lies and Half-Truths. This episode was written and performed by A.P. Weber and produced by Meg Weber. Our theme was provided by Josiah Martins. Original music by Mackenzie Stubbert. Consider liking, sharing, or reviewing this podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also support me, AP Weber, on Patreon. In any case, please join us again next time for more Lies and Half-Truths.